the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. And a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. We are underway now at nine minutes past nine o'clock on this Monday, the 23rd morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Thanks so much for being with us. We are, uh, we are loaded up today. Got a very good show lined up for you. Some important guests on some important topics. Coming up at uh, 9.35, in less than a half an hour, we are going to be talking with Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do each and every Monday. It has not changed, even as he ascends to the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. we got a lot of important things to talk about with him, including why it is that the Department of Justice is already stonewalling. The new Congress is barely seated. The new committees are barely underway. The first request made by the House Judiciary uh, Committee to the DOJ for information on a host of topics that deserve and need oversight, they're already stonewalling. Why? How? How can it possibly be justified for the DOJ to refuse to cooperate with judiciary in a request for documents and information? But that's exactly what they're doing, so we'll talk to the judiciary chairman about that and where it goes from here. That'll be at 935. Also going to talk to Jim Jordan about what plans... Congress might have 
If they are successful, Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, said he wants to get all 14,000 hours of January 6th video released. What are the plans when that happens? To whom is the video released? To the general news media? To the January 6th committee or commission? To whom? And what are they going to do with it? Because there's great concern about 14,000 hours of video being released, and just like the committee did, they could <coughs> excuse me, choose to air and show, select out-of-context pieces of video that might make the uh, protesters that they like to call insurrectionists look worse. So who's going to get it? What are they going to do with it? What context can be put? Uh, uh, can uh, 14,000 hours of video be put in? That's a very serious question. It's a very important question. It's one of the questions that one of our guests is going to be discussing with me today. So it kind of works out. It's a little bit symbiotic. Darren Beatty is going to be joining me. Darren Beatty uh, is a uh, an author of the January 6th report, the report of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States. He's also the founder of Revolver News, former speechwriter for President 45, Donald J. Trump. He is asking for that 14,000 hours of film to be released to them, to Revolver News, to himself, to Darren Beatty. It should be handed over immediately so that it can indeed be used properly. And we're going to ask him what that means. So that'll be at 10.10. And then at 11.10 this morning, we go back into the poison darts. You know, the ones that they tried to mandate and did mandate on millions of Americans. The poison darts, otherwise known as profit jabs, otherwise known as profit shots, not really and should never be known as COVID vaccines, but that's what some people still prefer to call them. And you know, so much of this was pushed on us by Dr. Anthony Fauci, the outgoing, retiring Dr. Anthony Fauci. But before he gets out the door and retires to the front porch swing, um, there are some questions that have to be answered. Robert F. Kennedy made a movie, The Real Anthony Fauci, the movie, uh, and, uh, or excuse me, wrote the book. Beg your pardon. He wrote the book. I got to get this in order. Robert F. Kennedy wrote the book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. That book has been made into a film by Jeff Hayes, and we're going to talk to Jeff Hayes about that coming up. Uh, at 11.10 this morning, the real Anthony Fauci, the movie. We're going to talk about big tech abuses. We're going to talk about investigations. We're going to talk about how uh, Elon Musk, the Twitter CEO, called for Dr. Anthony Fauci to be prosecuted for his role in everything that was done to this country over the course of the last two and a half years, now almost three full years. So that's where we stand today. Jim Jordan, Darren Beatty, Jeff Hayes going to be my guests. And as you know, I'm sure they don't take offense to this, my uh, book to guests, but my most important guests are you. 216, excuse me, 901-0945 and 888-281-1110. All right, now we've got a lot of other news to get to this morning besides the news of our guests, so I'm going to ask you now to rise as the patriot that you are. Stand and face a flag if you have one nearby. If you don't, like I said, there are a lot of different creative, unique ways a lot of people are coming up with to say their pledge in front of a flag. Some people are taking out a postage stamp and sticking it up somewhere, a flag stamp. Others are just saving a picture on your smartphone. Just save a picture of a flag on your smartphone there and tap your pictures and open it up, and there it is. And put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer that violent riots in places like Atlanta, Georgia, over the weekend, 
are not actually violent and we're doing harm to the communities that are trying to stand up for themselves by calling it violent, well, then you belong on CNN. And you also, because that's what they said, and you also have no interest or knowledge or understanding of what these stars and stripes represent, so you are exempted from the request to pledge allegiance to them. Instead, you may take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback where you're nice and comfortable. As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. As always, I try to tie in my pledge introduction to our lead story of the monologue today, and the lead story of the monologue today is ongoing inner-city violence, ongoing anti-police violence, ongoing left-wing Antifa-driven violence. You know, Antifa, of course, that organization, that ruthless, violent organization, that has teamed with organizations like Black Lives Matter, Revcom USA, that's the Revolutionary Communist Party. They have teamed up to create uh, chaos, to commit vandalism, uh, property damage, uh, assault on police officers, violent acts in, uh, in, in communities all over the country, wherever they have quote-unquote unrest. That's the organization that Joe Biden says doesn't exist. Do you remember that? Do you remember when Joe Biden said Antifa is just kind of a state of mind? It's just kind of a mental thing. It's not real. They're not actually real people. Well, those non-real people descended uh, on downtown Atlanta late Saturday night. Those non-real people, those ideas, showed up downtown setting fires, attacking cops with rocks and bricks, and commercial-grade fireworks literally shooting them at them, setting police cars on fire, and smashing windows of local businesses. All of this was warned and planned ahead of time. Do you remember my show on uh, Thursday? Thursday, I told you what happened, that they were calling for the day of rage, rather, the night of rage. They were calling what they called, calling for reciprocal justice, That whatever the cops do to them, they are going to do to the cops. They called for cops to die in Atlanta, uh, and they actually made a call for this to happen in communities all over the country. Fortunately, it did not. But this was their call. And what was the, the reason? Well, because a Georgia State Patrol trooper killed a protester during a raid of the location for the proposed 85-acre training facility, a police training facility that they were building there. So they were clearing the area, and one of the protesters shot a state trooper, shot him in the pelvis. Let me say that again. The activist protester shot a cop. Police officers, how dare they, returned fire, killing the protester. The officer underwent emergency surgery at a nearby hospital. This happened Wednesday night. I told you about it Thursday morning. They were calling for the rage, the night of rage. Actually, they said to be Friday, but apparently they held on for a night and had it Saturday instead. The Stop Cop City protesters mourned the loss of the environmental activist Manuel Esteban Paez Turan, a.k.a. Tortuguida, who opposed the training facility, 
And he's an attempted murderer. He shot a cop. And they don't care. The fact that he was returned, had fire returned on him and killed him is all they cared about. And so they demanded a massive anti-police riot. And that's what they started, uh, they tried to start, rather, on Saturday night. They destroyed property, they smashed windows, they set cop cars on fire, and they attacked cops. And the good news is, the good news is, the cops were ready. Police Police did not screw around with these idiots. They came down, and they came down hard. They arrested six protesters who turned violent. Uh, and, uh, by attacking cops and setting police cars on fire and smashing windows and so on and so forth. Um, but more importantly, what they did was they established essentially a no-go zone, if you will, uh, telling anybody you cross this line, you're done. You're done. You're, we're, we're, we're coming down again. They're not shooting first, but they are indeed taking people down and taking them in. And they did so with, with great, great effort. What that means is they didn't handle them with kid gloves, nor should they. Nor should they. As a matter of fact, they were so aggressive in trying to crack down on this as the night began, it was almost over by 7 p.m. According to 11 Alive um, uh, television in Atlanta, Atlanta Police Chief Dan, uh, Darren Shearbaum told reporters that multiple protesters were found with explosive devices, including those fireworks. Uh, one of which was used to set an Atlanta police car on fire. They were also seen throwing bricks, smashing property, as I said. And just before 7 p.m., police said order has been restored to the downtown space. They did not play with these people. And that is outstanding. That is simply, that is exactly what has to happen. They know what they're doing is right. They know that if they stand back like so many police forces were ordered to do by weak-willed chiefs and mayors in other big cities when downtown violence has happened in response to a police-involved shooting, and I don't care if it's Ferguson or if it's Baltimore or if it's Chicago or if it's Minneapolis or if it's Oakland or I don't care where, all of these weak left-wing chiefs, And mayors tell the police just to stand by, don't do anything. Let these people destroy everything. Give them more room. Give them more uh, guts, right? Give them more courage. Give them more reason to think we can keep going. We can do worse because the cops are standing there not doing anything because they don't want to inflame the tensions by having the cops crack down on these people. Well, in Atlanta, they said, go get them. And they took them down, and they killed the massive riot that had, be, that had begun in, uh, in, in, before 7 o'clock. Very, very important. Now, to the point that I made during the pledge, when I said if you are a believer uh, that this, these violent acts should not be referred to as violence because it might actually bring the rioters into some sort of you know, negative uh, light, then you belong on CNN. I wasn't kidding about that. That's exactly what well, CNN says. I think that there's a real blurring of the lines in, in, in the use of the word violence. Is property destruction violence? Um, to some people, it certainly is. Um, but, you know, this idea that breaking windows or, or, or other acts of property destruction are the same as uh, actual violence against humans uh, is, 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 is it's kind of a dangerous and, and slippery 
concept. And uh, I mean, look, I don't think this is a smart move. Um, I don't think it's it's a productive move from from the standpoint of of the protesters. Um, but as as even the chief himself said, this is a small group. Um, this this isn't this is also within this defend the forest movement um there are no leaders so people go off and do their own things that doesn't just make them justifiable but so as this idiot cnn guest is speaking david peisner is his name who said don't use the word violence to describe this these property attacks you know what's going on in the split screen the same thing that was going on in the summer of rage in 2020 with george floyd when they said yeah things are fiery but mostly peaceful there are there are fires blazing in the background as this guy is speaking screen left screen right they have actual live footage of police cars on fire and people running about and and then images of bricks and rocks on the ground where they had been thrown at police officers while this guy is saying you know property damage isn't exactly the same thing as you know assaults and violence on people well what do you call rocks and fireworks and explosives and 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 arson what do you call that if those aren't attacks on people things got so bad in the coverage of this by the radicals at cnn that democrat mayor andre dickens of atlanta the democrat mayor had to come down on it and rebuke that those claiming the anti-police riots weren't violence. He said they were worse than violence. They were domestic terrorism. This is a Democrat, not a Republican. This is a Democrat. He said the charges against those arrested will include domestic terrorism. Dickens, Andre Dickens, pushed back yesterday morning on CBS host Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation. During a panel slated to discuss crime and violence plaguing American cities, Brennan asked for an update on the protest in response to the death of 26-year-old environmental activist, the, you know, the idiot I told you about who shot a cop and then got shot back. Tehran reported, uh, or I'm sorry, um, I want to fast forward to the response here. Here it is. And so our police department, along with our state and federal partners, took swift action within two blocks and brought that situation under control, Dickens said Sunday. And the violence stopped, and those six individuals were arrested. And it should be noted that these individuals were not Atlanta or Georgia residents. Most of them traveled into our city to wreak havoc. And by the way, you know who these people are who traveled into different cities, right? These are the ideas, the concepts, the not real people, not real organization, known as Antifa. According to Joe Biden, remember, Antifa doesn't exist. So we love to support people when they're doing right. Peaceful protest is part of the American, part of our freedoms, but when you are violent, we will make sure that you get held accountable. When you say people from out of town, they're carrying explosives, is this an organized movement here, Brennan asked? Brennan also uh, referred to environmental activists, radical anarchists, and black revolutionaries. She cited claims from Marjorie Taylor Greene blaming Democrats for condoning Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Dickens declined to respond to Greene's remarks specifically, but he said, yes, the riots constitute domestic terrorism, violence to domestic terrorism, to assault and battery, and other things. Yes, it is violent when someone turns to burn down a police car or break out windows that have ex- and have explosives on them. I don't know all the organizations. I'll let you all decide who did it, but I do know that if they're, after they're arrested, they come to Atlanta, they wreak havoc, they will be arrested again. And they will be charged with domestic terrorism. 
So that's how bad it is. I, I just want to say this out loud. This is Joe Biden's America. It is the America he built. It is the America he supports. It's the America that he desires. Why? Because along racial tensions, or along racial lines, I should say, stoking racial tensions, stoking anti-cop attitudes, that is how a country is destroyed. And the goal of this administration, as it was explained, I think, in Davos all of last week at the World Economic Forum, that is the goal. Destroy this place and build it up again, not in a free capitalist republic model, but in a socialist Marxist model. Make no mistake about it. That's what this is all about. 927, it's always right radio. Told you we had a lot to talk about right here on AM 1420 The Answer. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob Pratt on The Answer. 937 Always Right Radio continues. AM 1420, The Answer. Let's welcome the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan, joins us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Bob. Hope you had a Hope you had a good weekend. Did indeed, did indeed. Disappointed, though, to see over the weekend. Uh, well, actually, I guess it was on Friday that I saw the uh, letter from the DOJ refusing to cooperate. Hard to believe. The new Congress has barely <laughs> begun, and already they are stonewalling the Judiciary Committee's request for documents and information about a number of the issues that you wish to uh, to investigate. This doesn't uh, portend well for the uh, uh, for the relationship between Judiciary or even just any well, of the committees, including oversight in the DOJ. Yeah, and it's, it's it's not like we didn't expect that. I mean, that's sort of been par for the course for these agencies. Um, but 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 it, overall, it's a problem because remember, uh, it's Congress that appropriates the funds. It's Congress that created these agencies in the first place at some point in our in our history. And the idea that now they're they're actually more important than the the body that's directly elected by we the people, I think that just in a, in a general context is is a concern. But we expected this. Uh, it's why we're going to. You know, we're going to talk to the, the the people who've been targeted by the government. So, are we going to talk to the whistleblowers? I mean, we've already talked to them, but we're going to. We think many of them are going to be willing to be deposed. Uh, we actually uh, had met with one of the uh, one of the people who've been targeted by the government. Our staff did over uh, last week. So, um, we're going to we're going to we're going to go that route and get as much information as we can, and and pursue uh, pursue our work like we're supposed to. Can you give me an idea of some of the other uh, targets? What are some of the first investigations that you wish to launch? Well, this this different treatment from the pro-abortion activists who rioted and protested at Supreme Court Justice Holmes, who who destroyed um, and vandalized churches and crisis pregnancy centers, versus the the treatment of pro-life activists, many of them just praying in front of a, a clinic somewhere, who uh, who were arrested. So we're going to talk to those people. Uh, we talked to one, uh, as I said last week, our staff did. Um, we're going to look to talk to the gentleman in. Uh, you know the one who was arrested at his home. Uh, we're, we're we're communicating with him and his and his attorneys, um, Mr. Halk, who was arrested and, and and you know they kicked his door in, arrested him in front of his wife and, and children mm-hmm. uh, for something local police said wasn't wasn't a concern. So we'll look at folks like that too, that we'll talk to, and then of course <clears throat> for the folks that we can talk to in these in these uh, in the agencies, we'll talk to those uh, those individuals as well. Congressman Jordan. Um... 
let's talk about investigating the President of the United States. Um, six more documents were found uh, in another location mm-hmm. now. Uh, so this is what, I think, four different locations of documents uh, that have been scattered about from a president who has said on numerous occasions over the last two or three weeks that I take classified information seriously. Uh, his press secretary, same thing, the president, takes it very seriously. It doesn't seem very serious when they're scattered all over the place, either in unintentionally, accidentally, and carelessly, which would indicate yeah. a lack of seriousness, or these things are being passed around. These things are being given, mm-hmm. shown to people who don't have security clearance to see classified information, and they're being left around by them. Now, I don't know what it is, but what I do know is that the FBI and the DOJ need to get involved here on a much heavier level than they, they were at the beginning when they allowed the Biden lawyers to do all of the searching. Yeah, it sure seems so. And, and you know, it seems like there's always, with each new batch we've, that, that's discovered, there seems like there's more questions. For, for example, I don't even know, were all these from his time as vice president? Were some of these from his time as, as a U.S. senator? Uh, were some of these just in the past two years that since he's been president and he's taken to these locations? We don't know the answer to those questions. We don't know why they first looked in the first place. We don't know why the Department of Justice said, no, no, you can let your personal lawyers go look first. We don't really need to. Uh, and then that, once they find out about it, then the White House counsel gets to go look with them and not, I mean, we, we don't know why this why why it was done the way it was done other than the fact that this is this is biden and they're going to treat him different than they treat president trump so there's tons of questions that i think we need answers to and frankly um where was the scrutiny from the media i still the 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 one thing i think we all remember is that picture they took of of those folders laying there and you know they had them arranged and they took a picture and they sent that out leaked that out to the to the to the country uh where are those kind of reportings uh, from the press about um, about these different what now four or five batches we found now at different locations. Um, where's that stuff? So that's that's the concern. So many more questions that they never seem to want to answer for for uh, for we the people. No, they don't. And it's more than answering questions from we the people. It's another thing to answer questions from the Justice Department. And what I have mm-hmm. here, I want to read a quick uh, excerpt from a Breitbart article, which quotes the Washington Post. So of note. Um, Early on, Biden's attorneys and the Justice Department investigators both thought they had a shared understanding about keeping the matter quiet. This, again, according to the Washington Post, quoted in Breitbart. Noting the Biden administration's attempt to conceal revelations of the second trove of stash documents, CBS News was the first news organization to learn of the matter, contacting the White House on January 6th to ask about the Penn-Biden Center documents. White House officials confirmed the scoop. But since the investigation was ongoing, they decided not to offer any additional details, including the critical information that a second batch had been discovered at Biden's home. So, Congressman, this is I'm really emphasizing the sources here, Washington Post, CBS News and so forth. So nobody can say this is some sort of Fox News Max conspiracy or whatever. They found evidence and confirmed it that the White House and the DOJ were colluding. That word is very big to the Democrats, colluding with one another to bury this and make sure it never made, uh, saw the light of day. That's, I, I, I would hope there's an investigation forthcoming on that. Yeah, because so you're exactly right. CBS finds out about batch number one that was found at the Biden Center. Mm-hmm. They, the White House confirms that, but they don't confirm... Well, but they don't they don't bring up that there's oh there's been a second batch that's discovered because remember the CBS story is early January the, the White House knew on December 18th about the first batch that uh, the the second batch I should say it gets confusing the second batch that was that was first found at the at the Biden home in Wilmington so the White House knows about two but they only confirm one when CBS asks them 
And now we're, 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 according to Washington Post, the reason is because the White House is working with DOJ to keep a lid on this story as much as possible, even though one of the, the first batch had already broke. Now, that, that, that raises all kinds of concerns and all kinds of suspicions. Like, what do you mean you're working with the White House to keep it quiet? Were, were you working with President Trump to keep anything quiet there? Sure didn't seem so. No, it, it certainly didn't. That was obviously they wanted to make sure that got as much press and as much play as possible, which is why they did the huge raid. You know, every camera in America is going to be focused on Mar-a-Lago as the as the blue windbreakers go in and, 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 and try to raid the place. So, you know, here we've now found over the course of the last couple of weeks, well, let's rephrase that. The first batch was found in early November before the midterm elections, and they buried yep. that. Then the second batch in December, and now here we are in January, we're finding more and more and more. I don't know where this ends, and I don't know when this ends, but I do know that that there better be some kind of investigation that has begun, and somebody, I don't know who investigates the DOJ, if not the DOJ. If the DOJ is part of the collusion process, who investigates yeah. the Department of Justice when they're the ones who are, you know, who need to be investigated? Well, that, I mean, that's what that's what we're going we're gonna to focus on doing, is, is, is getting the facts out there. But I step back and I, and I ask, like, so do people at the – I mean, I think this is sort of a fundamental question. Do people like Christopher Ray and others at the, at, the, at the Department of Justice, do they really think they weren't putting their thumb on the scale? Like, and just, just, just go back to, like, in 2016 when they lied to the FISA court, when they altered evidence in front of the FISA court, when they spied on the presidential campaign, when they paid a confidential human source a bunch of money to give them information, even though they knew that confidential human source had already lied to them. When they did all that, did they think that was in any way influencing an election? And then in 2018, when they had the Mueller investigation uh, ongoing, did they think that maybe impacted the 2018 election? And then in 2020, when they suppressed the Hunter Biden story, and they paid Twitter $3.4 million to, uh, dollars to help him mold and shape that narrative. Do, you, do they think that didn't impact the election? And then, of course, in 2022, when they raid President Trump's home 91 days before, and then don't tell us about uh, a week before the election what, that Joe Biden had the same problem, do they think that impacted the election? And if they can step back and say, no, 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 we weren't, we weren't putting up then you, then you just got a problem with, like, how do you not see what the rest of us see? That, to me, is, like, the big concern here. And what we want to try to get to in the course of our work over the next uh, next couple of years in this Congress. Well, I, I don't know how many summer homes or beach houses or whatever it is Joe Biden actually owns. I don't know how many garages and I don't know how many Corvettes. But I do know that now that they have found classified documents in no less than four different locations, there should be FBI raids on every place he owns save for the White House, because that's the only place right now, the White House, his, his residence, the Oval Office there, that classified documents could be. Uh, every yeah. other place that he owns or has that access. Congressman, I'm sure you saw the same photos I did last week of Joe Biden, or excuse me, Hunter Biden driving dad's Corvette, yeah. which means he was yeah. in that garage. He was, if, yeah. if Hunter Biden, who is in at least implicated, um, you know, um, uh, how do I want to phrase that? Unofficially, I guess, in a number of different scandals by way of information that has now been confirmed to be accurate on that laptop, if Hunter Biden, with his Ukrainian connections, his Russian connections, his Chinese connections, had access to the garage where those documents are stored, I don't know what he sold. I don't know what he did. I mean, he didn't see anything at all. I don't know. But the fact is, that's yeah. got to be that that raid has to happen. That full on investigation by DOJ has to happen, and it's not. So, yep. Yeah. You, you, uh, you. <laughs> now we know why. Um, I remember last week they said, "Why is uh, I think someone at the press briefing asked why is Joe Biden not going to his home in, in Wilmington, but go, instead going to his beach home?" 
And uh, my guess is he, he, he decided to go to his beach home because the FBI was actually going to his Wilmington, Delaware home to look for all his new, new documents that they found. So, um, yeah, it just seems to never end. And um, now, again, I, I go back to why did they look in the first place, Bob? That, that, that's, that's the one that gets – because then you get to are, are they – how did they know there was something there uh, way back when? Why were they looking in the first place if this has been there for six, seven, eight years? Who knows how long? Um, I think that's a that's a that's a you know important question that we just again don't know the answer to yet. We're talking to Congressman Jim Jordan, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. I want to talk about another kind of investigation. There's a re- really important article that I read. Uh, they are calling for a group of doctors in the UK are calling for uh, British government to investigate the origin, not the origins, beg your pardon, but the uh, yes. safety of the, the, of the COVID vaccines. Yeah, the mRNA vaccines. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on here. You know the numbers as well as I do. There are more young, healthy athletes, amateur and pro athletes, yep. who have collapsed with cardiac events or blood clots in the last two years than have uh, yep. and have collapsed. In, people in that age demographic and that uh, that that uh, uh, field of performance, you know, athletics, in the last thirty years combined. Um, something mm-hmm. is going on. I don't know what, but I do know that all of these people were told to be jabbed, and the overwhelming majority of them have been. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and say this is because of, because I don't know that. But does right. somebody right. need to find that out? Don't do. Do we need our government to do what the British government is going to do here, and that is investigate fully uh, what Pfizer and Moderna and Janssen knew, and when did they know it about the potential side effects of these shots? I do think so, and I think even even the CDC, who frankly I don't think through through, through most of this was was always being square with us, uh, but I think they've even called for some study on I think on some older Americans and stroke related issues um, that that may have some connection to the booster. So uh, I do think it makes sense to investigate, uh, particularly the, the the situation you described with the young athletes, uh, particularly I think many of the male who who have been uh, had some kind of uh, cardiac concern, um, mm-hmm. some cases hard themselves. Uh, I do think it makes sense to investigate that. And what I really think is um, I still want, you know, there's some who say, oh, no, it's time to move on. I still want Dr. Fauci to answer questions because just about, and we've talked about this before, but just about everything he told us turned out to be false. I mean, literally, he said it wasn't from the lab. It sure looks like it was. He said it wasn't gain of function. Yes, it was. He said it wasn't our tax money that was funneled through EcoHealth and went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Yes, it did. He told us the vaccinated couldn't get it. The vaccinated couldn't transmit it. He said there was no natural immunity, which made no sense at all. I mean, on and on it goes. So how many lies does he have to tell us before there's some kind of accountability for him, who was certainly the face and, and, the, and, the, and the voice of all the policies that were put in place starting from um, uh, March of 2020, even through today, things that they're still still advocating that 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 be done. So yeah, I think this needs to be studied, and um, I want to know if, if 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 they knew at the time, if CDC and Dr. Fauci knew at the time that some of the things they were telling us weren't accurate. Exactly, uh, we we must know that. I mean, this this is potentially the most the the, the most vast potential medical fraud perpetrated upon a population in history if they knew these things at the time and did not tell anybody yeah. and then mandated and it, that they be taken yeah and, and it's and look we're focused on the health issue now but never never forget the implications economically educationally right. what, what it did to students i mean particularly young people in their their education not to mention some people lost their business because of dr fauci's mandate and and, and actions and things that 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 
left-wing leaders across the country did. Remember when you couldn't even go to a health club? Remember the guy in New Jersey even took the, yeah. he moved his equipment outside in the parking lot where you could have plenty of social distance, and they still said, no, you can't do that. It made absolutely made no sense, no common sense whatsoever. So we should never forget that, that, that uh, what they did to our economy, to our kids' education, to people's livelihoods, and now, of course, to their health. Last question for you, Congressman Jordan, and I appreciate the time. Last week I asked you a little bit about January 6th and the prisoners and how they've been detained. I want to ask about the, mm-hmm. the footage now because uh, we both talked about uh, uh, Speaker McCarthy saying he wants to see all 14,000 hours of January 6th video released. Yeah. Uh, gravely concerned about to whom that would be released and how it would be used. Because you can already you already saw what the January sixth committee did. They took out of context select clips of videos yeah. and used it to paint the president, uh, former president, uh, and and the uh, and the protesters in the worst light possible, uh, without any context whatsoever. We're worried that if fourteen thousand hours are released, they're going to do even worse than that. So. To whom is this going to be released, and what kinds of protections are going to be made uh, or, or, or going to be involved in, well, in making sure yeah. that the context is there for all of it? Well, the, the short answer is I don't know. That, that's, a, that's a call for the speaker. I, I'm for making it available for the whole, the whole country to see. Um, and you know how this is. If, you, if it's all if it's online and people can watch, then, then it's like a crowdsourced and the whole, you, you know, anyone can look and edit and say what they want about what's, what's, what's there. Uh, right now, it's all been selectively done, as you point out, by the January 6th committee. Some people have said that, oh, you don't want to release everything because, you know, that would that would uh, potentially jeopardize security of the Capitol. I mean, come on. We've got all kinds of video out there. I, I just I just don't think that 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 makes a lot of sense. And I think in, in some ways you just got to say this. This is so important that we see exactly what what uh, took place um, on that day. So I'm for releasing it uh, to to anyone and everyone. And uh, just letting the, the truth and the facts get out there. We'll see what, what the speaker decides on the, on how that, that happens. But he's indicated he wants to get it out there, too. Yeah, and I get it. Uh, I, I want everybody to see it, too. But I'm very concerned. About if it's released to anyone and everyone, you know, CBS, NBC, ABC, CNN, MSNBC, and all of the mainstream media that has gone to great lengths to demonize the president and so forth over this, that's exactly what they're going to do. And they're going to reach an overwhelming majority of Americans that other people who provide actual context cannot reach. And, and, and Well, you don't uh, think that's happened? I mean, th- 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 I, I get that concern, but you don't think it's happened already? I mean, that that's all... No, no, it I has. It absolutely has, sir. Yeah. I, 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 it, but what I'm suggesting is that this needs to be released to some individuals uh, who can uh, who can actually provide the context, who can use some of the uh, AI that is available to isolate yeah. individuals, follow them through the actual, all of the events sure. of the day. You know what I mean? There, there are ways yep. this can be done so that things that haven't been made available to the people, facts that haven't been made, uh, including specific things, you know, I don't want to uh, keep using the same example of the same guy again and again again and again, but you know that there were agents provocateur pushing people to go in and do different things there. All of those things need to be found, focused, and isolated on film and then yeah. released so that that can be done. And I guess that's my my concern, because you're right. It's already been done in the other way. It's already been yeah. uh, taken out of context in the other way. I want context provided, so I want it to be released by people who can do such do, do those kinds of things. Yeah. So, well, we know, we, we, know the, we know the January 6th committee took all kinds of, I mean, even footage that wasn't of the actual event on that day, but um, I, I'm sure this. But they took an interview I did on on Fox News and clipped half of it 
to completely change the meaning. And um, so we caught them doing all kinds of things where they were just, in, in effect, lying to the country. Um, so, yeah, I, I understand the overall. Yeah, and, that, and that's exactly the point. They, they do it to you, and you know what? You're, you're a big boy, and you're in, a, you're in a position that you're in, and you, you have to expect those shots. You have to expect that, you know, that treatment, and you can handle it. But, boy, what they're doing to some of the people who were yep. you know, there on January 6th who, who did not do anything violent, who did not do anything beyond maybe trespassing and walking in, taking a picture and leaving, those people need to be isolated on those frames and shown to say, hey, these people are not criminals. These people are not uh, uh, you know those kinds of people. They 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 can't be treated the way a public elected official like you can when they when they want to target you. But I've kept you long enough, Congressman Jordan. I appreciate your time. Thanks very much. You bet. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Thank you, sir. That's Jim Jordan on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It's nine fifty seven. We're going to take a time out. We're going to come back after the top of the hour news. We're going to talk about exactly that in more depth. Darren Beatty wants that footage. Darren Beatty is. Um, the former speechwriter for President Trump, the founder of Revolver News, and he wrote the January 6th report, the report of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the United States Capitol. He wants that footage because he thinks he can use it best. You're going to want to hear this conversation. That's next on AM 1420. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine minutes after 10 o'clock, hour number two is underway already. Going fast already this morning. It is a Monday, the 23rd morning of the first month year of our Lord, 2023. Thanks again, again to uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. I want to share before I bring in our guest to talk about this very same subject. It just kind of worked out this way. It wasn't planned, uh, but it's going to be perfect uh, when I talk to Darren Beatty in a minute. Um, a letter was sent to Congressman Jordan by uh, my friend Tom Zawistowski of the We the People Convention, president of the We the People Convention, about the 14,000 hours that Speaker McCarthy says he wants to release of what happened on January 6th. And I think the question, or the letter is very well written, and the questions that are asked in it are very, very important. I'm going to read a little bit of it to you before I bring in our guest. It has occurred to some of us that preparations must be made to consume this substantial amount of information and to be able to provide tools to the general public and the media so they may be able to derive some accurate knowledge about the events of that historic day. What could the release of 14,000 hours of video show us? It is hoped that we'd be able to better understand how the protests turned violent, how the protesters were able to enter the Capitol, who may have been involved in inciting violence, who in fact committed violence, what events led up to the deaths of four protesters that day, and why the Capitol building and grounds were not properly protected. So the question is, is how does Congress release 14,000 hours of video, and to whom? Now, I asked that question of Congressman Jordan 10 minutes ago, and you heard what he said. He said, just release it to everybody. Just let everybody have it, the entire public, to consume as they wish. And I tried to talk about context, and this is, this is what I tried to suggest to him. And again, this was suggested by Tom and We the People Convention. Tom wrote, I've been in touch with my good friend Catherine Engelbrecht, who has recently launched a very powerful AI-driven search and storage facility called Open.Inc., 
We would like to arrange for Congress to release one copy of the 14,000 hours of video to us, which we would load into the opening servers. We would then create artificial intelligence search tools through which we could crowdsource the analysis of the video. We have thousands of trained researchers who know how to use the system who can help organize the video in intelligent ways to identify fact patterns that would provide answers to the questions identified above and more. So this is the kind of outside-the-box thinking that I'm looking for. It's the reason I asked it of Congressman Jordan, and it's the reason why my conversation to come is so perfect right now. Darren Beatty. Darren Beatty uh, is uh, the author of the January 6th report, the report of the Select Committee to investigate the January 6th attacks on the United States Capitol. He also happens to be the founder of Revolver News, and he's a former speechwriter for President Donald J. Trump, and he wants the 14,000 hours to be released to him. Uh, Darren, thank you so much for the time this morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So this is, uh, this is a pretty monumental moment right now, I guess, in trying to truly understand what, on Janu- what happened on January 6th and maybe to get some justice for some people who have been treated so harshly because of what happened on January 6th. Um, Let's start with, I would like your reaction to what I just presented, and I kind of largely did it for you. Everybody else already heard it. But um, we're talking to Congressman Jordan, who, of course, is the new chair of the Judiciary Committee, who is trying to get oversight done and investigations done. And um, as of now, he said he's not sure what Speaker McCarthy is going to do with the footage. What are your thoughts of the suggestions that I just made? Well, you know, it's a difficult question because, this committee is not going to have the type of leverage that it's sometime antecedent the church committee has. Um, we're working with a tremendous amount of structural disadvantages, and that means that the margin for error is very, very small. Um, I'm worried that the issue of the 13,000 hours is going to be serve ultimately as a distraction. I think it's, that's a ton of information. It would probably take six months to a year to go through. I don't know what people really think they're going to find there. We already have footage of Capitol Police opening the door to the protesters. We already have footage of Capitol Police firebombing. We already have footage of, you know, that the dead woman, not even Ashley Babbitt, but another one, yeah. Rosalind. Yeah. Um, we already have this stuff. So maybe we'll get more stuff like that. But if, the footage we already have hasn't gotten us anywhere. I don't know what additional thing we expect from this. That being said, like I fully support this, like all else being equal, release the 13,000. Don't do this nonsense where you give it to some, you know, some third party sort of curator. I think that whole deal is a big scam. I think the, that was one of the biggest problems with the Twitter files is Elon he didn't WikiLeaks it. He didn't release it to the general public to crowdsource investigations on it. He handpicked a bunch of questionable people to curate the information for themselves and decide what the public was allowed to see and what they weren't allowed to see. So I, I really hope that doesn't happen with the 13,000 hours. But we're dealing with such, <laughs> frankly, we're dealing with such incompetent people. It, it, it would be a miracle if if it actually comes out in the right way. And people don't even think about how much data is 13 hours of footage. Where the hell are they going to 
restore that for people to access it. All of these like basic problems that probably, I don't know the degree to which they're thinking about it. But again, my chief concern is that this is going to end up being the big, like shiny thing that distracts people when actually I think there's a much higher leverage, easier approach. And that is asking for the much more targeted footage from the DNC building. The DNC has surveillance footage of their so-called pipe bomber, the January 6th pipe bomber. My news organization, Revolver.News, has proven that the FBI has not only censored critical footage in their possession from that surveillance video, but has also artificially tampered with the footage, such as to make it nearly impossible to identify this alleged January 6th pipe bomber. And I think it would be such a targeted and effective way of using the subpoena power to say, we want the full chain of custody of the surveillance footage, how it got from the DNC to the FBI, and we want the full, raw, and unedited version of this footage. And that will be very telling, because it's already very bizarre that the Democrats themselves have exhibited zero interest in uncovering the identity of this Dar- Darren, Darren, before you go on, pipe bomber before you go on, who who's, who's explosives outside of their national headquarters? Darren, before you go on, who's we? Who's we when you said we should get the full, uncut, unedited footage? The public. The public. So everybody. Or at the very, so just, least, just, or at just, the very least, in this stage, certain members of Congress should be able to review it. I would hope ultimately the public, but it would be... I would say it would be a lot better progress for someone like Thomas Massey to be able to review the full, raw, unedited version plus the chain of custody than depending on what he finds releasing to the public. I think that's just a much, it's both easier and it's much higher leverage than getting bogged down into this 13,000 hours thing, which again, all else being equal, that's fine, but I'm just worried it's going to end up being this kind of dumb distraction, and that's why they're dangling it in front of people, because they know it has this kind of, you know, there's been a lot built up into these 13,000 hours, but practically speaking, I don't know what people expect to get out of it, because we already have scandalous footage from January 6th. What more do they yeah, expect yeah, to yeah. see? Well, a ton, uh, to be honest with you. A ton. A ton more. Um, what I want to know is what you want to do with it. I mean, the, the headline, or the, uh, the the release that I have, which is the reason we called and booked you today, Speaker McCarthy should hand the uncut January 6th footage to Darren Beatty immediately. Okay, what does that mean? What are you going to do with it? Because you know, now in our conversation, you're saying give it to Thomas Massey or give it to uh, somebody else well, or just no, release no, no, it to no, everybody no, and crowdsource that. it. I mean, what are we talking about here? Well, There are two different things. There's the full, raw, and unedited version of the DNC surveillance footage of the pipe bomber. That's footage that my news organization has proven has both been censored and artificially tampered with by the FBI. And that is in a broader context of the pipe bomber being one of the two smoking guns of the January 6th Fed direction. And I can get into the full constellation of discrepancies and, frankly, glaring lies attendant to the official narrative about the pipe bomb. My point is, 
it's far more effective to be targeted and specific. I'm not saying don't release the 13,000 hours. I'm saying that if that is the chief and predominant focus, we're going to be we're going to be led down this road of distraction and maybe not get anything else that's effective. I don't see any real strategy about the 13,000 hours, but by all means, they should release it all to the public. They should release it to me, but by virtue of me being part of the public, I don't claim any kind of special sort of proprietary claim over the footage. And frankly, I don't like this practice of journalists sort of taking information like this and hogging it for themselves and acting as these curators for the public, I think the whole public should have access to these 13,000 hours. And that's the problem I said. With- but but, but I, I, I'm still failing to understand how that helps anything. The public cannot consume thirteen or 14,000 hours. The media can. The media is going to have teams. They're going to break it down. They're going to do exactly what the committee did, the unselect uh-huh. committee of trash with their <clears throat> trial by court of public opinion with nine prosecutors well, it's very and zero easy, defense it's very attorneys. Easy logically, it's very easy logically. If it's released to the public, the media is part of the public and has full access to it as well. So the media can do whatever they want with it, but I think the broader public should have it. And I think it's a disadvantage in these cases for select people to have this indefinite proprietary claim to it. I think that was frankly, part of the problem with the Hunter laptop, that, you know, a few pockets of journalists sort of hogged it, and I think it was far less effective than the WikiLeaks model, which is just to release the whole thing to the public and let the public have access to it, which includes the media. Well, I'm a little confused when you say that the uh, a few select journalists hogged it. I um, mean, almost every journalist didn't want anything to do with it. They discredited it. Uh, upon orders from the FBI not to pay any attention to it, it's Russian disinformation. Who hogged it? I mean, the New York Post is the only ones who would actually do anything with it. Well, I mean, I'm talking about within conservative media. There were people in conservative media that had it that could have released the full thing to the public that didn't. My point is I think that makes it less effective than just WikiLeaksing it. I think the Twitter files, what Elon is doing now where he you know, selects various people, frankly, in this case with questionable records, people like Barry Weiss, to be the mediators and curators who go in and look at all the information and decide what's acceptable for the public to see. I don't think that's how the journalism of this sort should work. I think it should be released in its entirety to the public. The media can then look at it and contextualize it in whatever fashion they like. But the broader public has access to it as well. That they but, can but, use but you know what you know you know what fashion the media will contextualize it. They're going to make it look awful for Donald Trump and anybody who's a Trump supporter. They're going to turn them all into insurrectionists. They're going to do the same thing as I They've said. They've already they did with done the, that. Yeah, They've but they haven't. Yeah, that, yeah, but they. Why? Yeah, yeah, but you're but you're saying that releasing it to the public will fix that. The public isn't going to go through thirteen, fourteen thousand hours. They're going to look and say, "What did CNN say about so it? They did the work for me." You're, you're suggesting they just give it to a handful of journalists, and the journalists release it. 
no. rather than it being given to the full public? No, I think What's there are organizations. I think there are organizations, and I started to to share that suggestion with you at the beginning, like True the Vote, Catherine, Catherine Engelbrecht's organization, where they have the capability to upload all of this into servers and using AI tech, facial recognition, they can literally track any individual through their entire movement okay, well, on look, that day. Easy, easy, it would, it's solved. They release it to the public, and then if these people have such special proprietary tools, they can show what they can do with it. But it looks like they're just trying to get some kind of special claim to the information for their own advantage. And I don't think that's... No, not for their advantage, but for the advantage of the prisoners and those who have been charged with things where they have absolutely no ability to defend themselves. They're not being given trials. They're not being given an opportunity to access their attorneys. How is it better if if just this one organization has full access to the information and they decide what the public gets to see. No, 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 nobody, nobody, nobody is saying, Darren, nobody is saying only. There's, I'm, I'm saying that is, you know, you, you mentioned Thomas Massey. I, I concur. I would give it to Thomas Massey and a couple of uh, uh, people investigating in the uh, in the Congress, and I would absolutely give it to an organization like the one I said. And after some of this context can be provided, then you give it to the public so they can see the entire thing. If no. you give it to everybody all it, at it, once, it becomes a CNN special. They will no, do the exact no, no. same thing it's that the committee a did. CNN special. This sounds like some kind of deal where. This one organization wants some special claim on it. Maybe they have special stuff. Let them prove what they have once the information is out. But this idea of just giving, you know, letting one group sit on it because of these tools that they claim that they I already have. Cla- I already, I already clarified multiple groups, including members of Congress, including investigative members of investigative committees, oversight and judiciary, so that they okay. can well, all I mean, work on this before on it goes think, to the, before it goes to the public. public should have it. I think every American deserves to see it. I think Americans who are interested in this are intelligent enough, and frankly, the best researchers are not the ones that you're going to think about. The best researchers are probably not these people you're mentioning. There are a lot of people who are independent investigators on the right who could probably do a much better job than any people you're talking about. Why should they be deprived of the opportunity of having access to this information just because? It doesn't make any sense. Well, like I said, if you're looking to provide context for what the January 6th committee found and presented to the public, you aren't going to get it by giving them 14,000 hours of, of, of data and saying, here, figure out what's right, what's right well, and what's that, wrong. That gets back to my original point that I think ultimately the 14,000 hours, while good, is ultimately could serve as a distraction because I think a much more targeted approach towards specific video that's likely to have a high leverage impact is a much more effective use of the limited capacities of these committees. And that's why I suggested early on my first priority would be get the full chain of custody and the full raw unedited version of the DNC surveillance footage. That's much narrower. It's much higher leverage. It's a lot easier to deal with than scrambling around for 13,000 hours and hoping there's something in there.
Well, on that part, we absolutely agree. I think that's crucial to get that that footage uh, and and and, uh, and to make that public or give it to the right people to analyze it because you're exactly right, especially given the fact that the the you know the smoking guns as you talk about with the pipe bomber uh, needs to be reported, needs to be uncovered, and it's not. So that's a, that's a big part of this. Darren Beatty is the founder of Revolver News. He presents the January sixth report, the report of the Select Committee to investigate the January sixth attacks on the U.S. Capitol, uh, and again a former speechwriter for President Donald. J. Trump. Darren, thank you for the uh, great information. I appreciate it very much and, uh, and the very best to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, that's Darren Beatty. It's 1027. I would like you to react to that on the next segment because we are guest-free until 1110. So I've got two segments in front of us in which uh, we can hear from you. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Always Right Radio is right back. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1038 now. Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to clarify a couple of things that I don't think our guest, Darren Beatty, was quite understanding. I tried to make this very clear to him, but I don't think I did. So maybe that's my fault. Um, In no way, shape, or form is... The organization that is proposing to obtain one copy of the full 14,000-hour video footage that is available from January 6th, are they trying to do this with any kind of a profit motive whatsoever? Uh, True the Vote, which is what the organization that Catherine Engelbrecht uh, began over 10 years ago, was an attempt to make sure that voter fraud was exposed, that votes uh, the, uh, you know, were held with integrity, that voter integrity was preserved is a better way to say that, I suppose. Um, there's no profit motive at all. Uh, and I know full well that the We the People Convention here in Northeast Ohio that's run by Tom Z is not interested in profit for this at all either. This is an attempt to try to help people particularly the January 6th prisoners and those who were accused of doing things that they may not have done on that day. Evidence is there in this that can be obtained and can be curated and can be um, extrapolated from the 14,000 hours of raw footage if somebody is willing and able to use the right type of technology. And that's what we were talking about here. That's what Tom Z wrote to uh, Congressman Jordan. And I quoted some of this. The Catherine Engelbrecht has recently launched a very powerful AI-driven search and storage facility called Open Inc. We would like to arrange for Congress to release one copy. I, I said that out loud, too. Nobody's saying the only place that should have it is this one you know, private organization or a couple of organizations teaming up. Nobody's saying that at all. But to just broad release it to everybody opens it up to misuse before anybody can get out ahead of it and, and, and bring it into some context. See, the problem with what the January 6th committee did, did is they presented all of this stuff to make Donald Trump and his supporters look terrible by, by using video out of context. The video should be made available to somebody who is going to put it in context before it is then just dumped on the general public. Because 14,000 hours out in the general public, oh my gosh, the manipulations that can be done. 
We would like to arrange for Congress to release one copy of the 14,000 hours of video to us, which we would load onto the Open.Inc. servers. We would then create AI, artificial intelligence, search tools through which, which we could crowdsource the analysis of the video. This is what Darren Beatty agreed with, crowdsourcing. Furthermore, we already have thousands of trained researchers who know how to use the system. We can organize the video in intelligent ways to identify fact patterns that would provide answers to the question identified above and more. We can provide a much more detailed and technical proposal by next week, but for now all you need to know is that we need just one copy of the 14,000 hours of video. You can give the other copies to whomever you want. Our technical team will coordinate how that video can best be transferred. We will pay all the costs of the transfer and storage of the video, as well as for the public use of the Open.Inc. system. Once we get the video, we will be on our own. We can share any and all video evidence our researchers discover that will be of value to the House committees investigating January 6th. The motivation for this offer is crystal clear. We know that the DOJ and the FBI and who knows how many other three-letter government agencies have access to this video. We know that they have incredible analytical resources available to them, which are paid for with our tax dollars. We know that by their past behavior, they will not use those resources to tell the public the truth about January 6th and the people involved that day, but rather to create a narrative to attack their political enemies. Therefore, it's imperative that the Republican House give the American people an opportunity to see a more neutral, fact-based analysis of the events of that day so that the historical record will be an accurate reflection of historical facts. There have already been two years of outright lying by the previous Congress and the executive branch about the causes, events, and meaning of what happened that day. We must not allow the release of these videos to add to the body of lies, but instead to shine the light of truth upon them so that the historical slate can be wiped clean and made permanently accurate. The American people and all future Americans deserve nothing less. So Tom, that's Tom Z wrote this uh, from the We the People Convention. Again, he contacted Jim Jordan prior to that with a different letter saying, hey, we need to hear from uh, January 6th political prisoners and their families to really find out what is going on and how they're being treated. Um, and Jim Jordan received that. I talked to him last week, and he said he is going to do everything that he can to facilitate that. Of course, it's a little, little more difficult than just as simple as saying, let's call to the, to testify before a congressional committee, somebody who's being held in a federal prison right now for, um, uh, for, uh, you know, crimes committed or alleged on January 6th. It's not as easy as all that, but he said he absolutely agrees with the, uh, intent and to, to pursue that. So now this is a follow-up. Now let's talk about the 14,000 hours. What can we do with it and how can it be best made use of? And that's, uh, that's what Tom wrote. And I, I, I back it. I back it 100%. Darren Beatty obviously doesn't. He just wants to dump it out there in the public and let anybody who has a computer grab it, download it, and do whatever they want with it. And I, uh, I find that troubling. I would like it to be released to members of Congress. I would like to re- be, like it to be released to uh, committee chairs like Jordan, uh, people like Thomas Massey, like James Comer. I'd like to have it released to them. And, yes, certain uh, copies released also to certain organizations who will indeed publicly and transparently upload it and then be able to follow it, again, to see whatever, wherever the facts may lead. It's very important in my view. Christian is calling us from Menor on AM 1420, The Answer. Christian, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Um, you're talking to somebody who was at January 6th. And okay. I'm going to tell you right now, everything you've heard is nonsense. Because um, my friend and I went there. 
just to be witnesses to see what was going to, you know, what was going on and, and you know, support for the president. So forth. Uh, spent the so night. You, 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 were, um, you were there. You were there for his speech. You were in, in the crowd. I was. Yes, I, yes, indeed. Didn't okay. see any of the violence that they're talking about. I mean, I, I, I had no idea when we were driving back is when we first heard about some type of outbreak of violence. But what they won't show you is pictures from the outside. There are, I mean, the pictures that I've taken, okay, um, I, I don't know how many people, but I would estimate maybe million to million and a half people. It was the largest crowd probably ever uh, assembled in Washington. And I do believe this is what they were afraid of. They were afraid of people assembling peacefully, okay? This was a protest, not an insurrection. What you saw in Atlanta, that's an insurrection. An insurrection is an uprising against authority or government. You had no such thing that I saw in D.C. Now, they made it as difficult as possible while we were there Prices on everything was tripled. So spending a night in the hotel was six hundred dollars. Now it's what one eighty four if you were to go there today. Okay, they charged parking triple. Everything was incredibly expensive to try to keep as many people from going there. Yeah, they're trying to but, deter deter people from coming down there so they didn't have any problems. I'm telling you, they gave and the people I spoke with were. The nicest. There was old ladies from Oregon, teachers from uh, California. They, they were they were from all over, and they were assembled peacefully. And there was uh, some Chinese people from that, that came over in groups, and they were all saying, "We don't want this country becoming what where we came from." And they had were giving out flyers. And I, I don't remember the name that they, the group that belonged to, but you know they all had their little. You know things, and it was a peace. It was a very peaceful event, and I have. Do you happen to know anybody? What? Do you, Do you happen to know anybody who was charged? Know anybody who uh, no. is currently held? No, anything but, of that? no. I'm going to tell. No, no idea. None of this. But I did see when we were there. There were five white buses. We took pictures of, and we do believe it was Antifa. They came. They were like school buses, okay. And these guys came out. And they looked like. He had right gear on. They were ready to fight. And they saw the masses of people, and they more or less came out, dispersed, and then they took back off and left. They, they saw that they, they needed probably 500 buses in order to make a difference. That's how many people there were. I'm yeah. telling you, Bob, it was... What were you, no, I, I believe you. you. When you say there, when you say there may have been a million or million and a half people there, I have no idea how to tell that. To be hundred percent honest with you, but I do know that from the videos they showed of the Capitol and of the actual riot outside the Capitol, and then those who stormed it and who did go inside. And we're talking about the storming, not those who stepped, who walked yeah, through, I, who walked through with the police opened the doors and opened the gates and said, "Go on in." Right. And, but and but I, but I do know that everything. that number was very small, actually. I mean, uh, how many people were there? A thousand, fifteen hundred that may have gathered actually outside the Capitol, and probably only a few hundred that were actually involved I, in going inside. You know, every single building because I got pictures. They have armed guards, okay, snipers pointing down at you. So if you were going to storm 
um, you know, a capital. Are you kidding me? Aren't they going to be ordered to shoot? I mean, to protect whoever's inside, you know, I'm saying the, the officials. I, I'm telling you, it's all BS, okay? I don't believe any of it. Because when we came back, we were just like, what, what are they Well, when you about? say, well, hold on, you know? when you just to be clear here, Christian, when you say you yeah. don't believe any of it, I mean, um, I, the, the, the stuff that's on video that is bad, you do recognize yeah, as being wrong and illegal I, I do, and need but, to, needs to be but, held accountable but, for, right? I mean, is it, was it, was it like a Hollywood, you know, that created this, you know, like some type of, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there was a few people that were trying to rile up, and we think that they were probably set up there because we're like, I absolutely like believe that. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Ray Epps character is just one example, obviously the most glaring example, because he was one of the right. loudest voices telling everybody, let's go, we got to get in there, we're going to go yeah. in there. And he has not been charged. That. He is completely dismissed as being one of the, uh, you know, one of the instigators of this whole thing. Other instigators who were viewed as mm-hmm. being by the by the government is viewed as being some of the leaders and some of those who said, "Let's go do this." They've been charged with insurrection, been charged with, uh, right. you know, with all kinds of violent crimes, sure. and uh, and and this character is not. Sure. So there's no doubt that there were people there right. who were who were there. It, on whoever the they were, we were not part of. You know what I'm saying? And, I and, do know. And, I do and know. All these people. It was like, okay, you know, like, um, so basically, I'm going to tell you right now, what they have been doing is using this definition of the word insurrection, when in reality, they didn't want to use the word protest, because the word protest is what they do, because they're going to call what they did in Atlanta a protest. Oh, yeah, they did that. For crying out loud, they did that for all of the riots in 2020 all over the country. Those were protests that got a little bit out of control. But with this, it's an organized insurrection. Yes, a violent uprising against authority is the definition of an insurrection. And that's what I saw in Atlanta. That's what we saw in all these other cities during that time, what you're talking about. Yeah. But I'm telling you, whatever happened in D.C., you know, on January 6th, uh, you know, they can take all my pictures and put them with my buddies and everybody else's, and I'm perfectly, I did nothing. You know, 99.99% of the people will feel the same way, I guarantee you. Okay? No, I, I believe that. So, Christian, I appreciate your no- call. Thanks for sharing your experience there that day. I, I really do appreciate it. We'll obviously keep monitoring this and see where... The release of the footage goes. We'll see if there's, you know, what happens with the um, uh, political prisoners that are still being held. And this story will obviously not be over for a very, very, very long time. So make sure you check back in with us with more information you think is uh, helpful to help us understand this. But no, I I, I agree with everything you were saying. Um, There were elements of this that were intentional, and they were not the intent of the quote-unquote Trump supporters that they call insurrectionists. The intent came from the agents provocateur, the Antifa bus riders, the uh, individuals who came there as feds or supporters or acting on behalf of the feds um, to turn this thing into something it was never going to be. It was a lie. What did Trump say? Peaceful and uh, uh, patriot, peacefully and patriotically, peaceful and patriotically. It's all we want you to do is go down there and make your voices heard. That's all he said. And, of course, uh, they want to turn it into, no, they came there with an intent of overthrowing the government, of literally uh, staging a coup d'etat and, and, and taking the, just duly, the duly elected but about to be sworn in president out of play. I mean, all of this crap that they tried to sell is just, is just that. It's just that. 
All right, quick timeout. Right back. Always Ray Radio. Ten fifty six. So we are by no shape or form done uh, with holding people accountable for what was done to this country and what continues to be done to this country uh, by those who continue to try to encourage, force, if not coerce, um, uh, profit shots, the poison darts being sold by mRNA manufacturers Pfizer and Moderna. They continue to push, and they do so with the support of people like Dr. Science himself. Dr. Anthony Fauci, when are we going to start holding these people fully accountable, though? Well, I played this for you on, I think, Thursday, Friday last week, and I want to play it for you again here real quick because this is terrific. Um, At Davos, where the World Economic Forum held their summit last week, one of the participants was the CEO of Pfizer, and the CEO of Pfizer showed up and marched over to the the summit and was, um, let's just say, interrupted by some reporters who actually believe in real journalism, unlike those from the New York Times, Washington Post, CBS, or NBC, or any of the rest of them. Uh, They asked him important questions. Oops, hold on a second. Hold on a second there, gentlemen. Let's make sure that we have everything properly connected here. Let's try it again. Mr. Borlaug, can I ask you, when did you know that the vaccines didn't stop transmission? How long did you know that without saying it publicly? Thank you very much. Are you worried about product liability? Are you worried about myocarditis? If any other product in the world doesn't work as promised, you get a refund. Should you not refund to countries that laid out billions for your ineffective vaccine? Are you used to only sympathetic media? So you don't know how to... Are people finally, are reporters, are Americans, are people around the world finally getting the guts to step up and challenge those who, who kept us under lock and key, those uh, who, who kept us away from our jobs, kept us away from our schools, uh, made us take shots in order to keep our jobs that are now leading to record numbers of people collapsing with cardiac events and with blood clots, dying suddenly, dropping suddenly. Are we finally ready to do something about this? I asked Jim Jordan about it. In the U.K., there are doctors calling for U.K. governments, official government agencies, to investigate the mRNA shots to find out exactly what Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca knew. What did they know and when did they know it about the dangerous side effects of these shots? Why did they force them on people anyway? Well... No one was as complicit or more complicit anyway than Dr. Anthony Fauci. Coming up after the top of the hour news, we're going to talk to a filmmaker about uh, Dr. Fauci's role in all of this. The real Anthony Fauci, the movie, is a documentary put out by Jeff Hayes. It's based on the book by the same name by Robert, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And we're going to talk to Jeff Hayes about what Anthony Fauci really did and how and when he might be held accountable now that he rides off into the sunset sunset after uh, making uh, millions upon millions of American taxpayer dollars. So that interview is coming up after the top of the hour. Stay here on Always Right Radio, AM 1420. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know... And do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. 
If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Our number three is underway. Number three of six today. What? Yeah. Not consecutively. I do get a break in between. You get the break of uh, the brilliant Charlie Kirk. The masterful Dennis Prager. Then I'll be back at uh, 3 o'clock hosting for Dr. Sebastian Gorka today. We're going to talk to John Solomon. Very much looking forward to that. Going to talk to Chris Hansen, too. You remember Chris Hansen, right? Chris Hansen now does investigative reporting for True Blue, the uh, streaming network for which I or uh, on which I host a daily talk show called True Blue Daily with Bob France. Chris Hansen does takedown. He's catching bad guys, still catching predators. We're going to talk to him on the uh, national show about the Facebook fiend, one of the. Uh, Serial criminals, I guess, stalkers and attackers uh, and assaulters uh, uh, that is using Facebook to victimize women, and he is all over that. And we're going to talk to him about that coming up in the uh, Sebastian Gorka show today. John Solomon, Chris Hansen, and possibly Patrick Wood as well will be joining me on Dr. Gorka's show. So make sure you're here for that. But today is a Monday. It's the 23rd morning of the first month in the year of our Lord, 2023. Phone lines are open to you at 216-901-0945. But I want to talk a little bit now, as promised. Um, excuse me, about um, why it is people continue to fall down and drop dead suddenly, or at least fall down with cardiac events and have their lives saved, like we saw at a National Football League uh, game a few weeks back. Uh, why it is that the staggering numbers, let me see if I can quote these numbers before we get into our guest here, because I had them, I talked about them in my last podcast with uh, Jack Windsor, talking smack with Bob and Jack. Uh, we talked to... Uh, uh, a Columbus uh, cardiologist, Dr. Utlack, who has given us some of the truths about what's happening with cardiac events in the age of COVID jabs, otherwise known as profit shots, otherwise known as uh, poison darts. <clears throat> um, the number of athletes who died suddenly between January 2021 and April 2022, which is the prime COVID vax or non-vax, but profit shot uh, period, was 1,696% above the historical monthly norm between 1966 and 2004. In other words, 42 per month compared to just 2.35 per month over that uh, 40-year period. Ponder that. 1,000... 500, no, wait a minute, 1,650 professional and amateur athletes have collapsed due to cardiac cardiac events in two years, 2021 and 2022. 1,146 of them fatally 
compared to a similar number over the last 30 years combined. Something is going on with these jabs, and these jabs continue to be pushed and promoted, if not outright called for mandates by people like Dr. Anthony Fauci, who now, thankfully for all of us, is retired and is on his way out to pasture or to his front porch swing, which I'm sure is gold-plated considering he made more money per year than any federal employee, including the President of the United States, all to guide us in policy that was almost constantly wrong in response to the COVID, uh, um, COVID-19 virus, which was almost assuredly a product of the gain-of-function research done in a Wuhan laboratory funded by Dr. Anthony Fauci. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wrote a book called The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. That book was turned into a documentary film, The Real Anthony Fauci, the movie. The filmmaker is Jeff Hayes, who joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, to talk a little bit more about this. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. How are you today? Bob, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you uh, because I'll, I'll have anybody who is willing to tell the truth about what's going on here. Or at the very least, and maybe you feel the same way, Jeff, to, to have the guts to seek the truth. I don't know all of the truth. I don't know if everybody that I just quoted in those statistics are, are responding, you know, if their cardiac events were the responsibility of the, uh, the, the, the mRNA shots that they took, for example. But I'm willing to seek the truth. And that's something that it seemed like for the last three years, Dr. Anthony Fauci wanted nothing to do with. Tell me about uh, about doc, the Dr. Fauci you cover in this movie. Yeah, this was, it was, you're much more knowledgeable on this than I was. If it wasn't for Bobby's book, I would have been uh, blissfully ignorant. You know, I certainly <clears throat> knew enough not to, to get vaccinated, but I didn't know about Fauci. Uh, Bobby's book was a phenomenon. It sold a million copies last year. 17 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, and still to this day, there has not been one major media review of the book. He was liberal royalty, as you know, an environmental lawyer that was loved by the left, and um, he has become the most vilified and and persona non grata. Um, He used to write an opinion letter at least twice a year for the New York Times. They won't, you know, ever do that again. completely ostracized and blackballed for doing this, but it was a brilliant book, 2,700 citations, and it goes through Fauci's history that I was completely oblivious to um, and was so important to get this message out there. I knew it had to be a movie. Let's uh, let's talk about some of that history, if we could, Jeff. We're talking to Jeff Hayes, documentary filmmaker, <clears throat> who is... Um... Also, the uh, uh, brains behind uh, Fahrenheit 9-11, not Fahrenheit 9-11, which is the Michael Moore uh, book of lies or film of lies, Fahrenheit, H-Y-P, 9-11, as well as On Native Soil, Quack, Doctored, and many others. And this one is called The Real Anthony Fauci. Most people became familiar with Fauci in 2020. Literally in March of 2020, when he started talking about don't wear masks, these are useless against a thing like coronavirus, and then quickly, hey, everybody must wear a mask, or you shouldn't be allowed out of your house. And that was just the beginning of his, um, you know, myriad of positions that he took on public health. But most of us became first aware of him then. Obviously, you have done a lot of research, so has uh, 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 Robert F. Kennedy Jr. about Dr. Fauci, and he's been on the public dole working for the government for decades. What, what can you tell us about what he was and what he is? 
Yeah, you just perfectly described me. I was one of the ones that saw him appear, and here's this avuncular, grandfatherly, seemingly rational guy saying, um, you know, seeing him flip-flop on mask was a little odd. But what we what we learn in the film and in Bobby's book, 1984 was really the key year. That was the year Fauci took over the NIAID department at the National Institute of Health. It was a rinky-dink department, didn't have a lot of funding. Um, it wasn't a big appointment. However, that was the year, 1984, that the AIDS crisis happened. And he is a great bureaucrat. He wrestled control of the AIDS virus for his department, built a powerhouse, a $1.7 billion budget. And suddenly he's the one deciding what gets studied. He's the one dispensing all the grants and deciding what gets used in treating AIDS. Of course, he wanted nothing to do with safe, uh, off-label use drugs. If you remember the movie The Dallas Buyers Club with Matthew McConaughey, these guys were importing drugs from Mexico just to keep themselves alive because Fauci wouldn't approve them. Instead, he only wanted remdesivir. I'm, I'm sorry, AZT, which at that time was the deadliest and most expensive drug that had ever been released. And this is what he repeated again with covid with, as I mentioned, remdesivir, he wanted nothing to do with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, which doctors were pleading with him, hey, this is working, we're seeing it on the front lines. Then instead, we used an Ebola drug that was too deadly to even be used for Ebola patients, remdesivir, which nurses called near. It was such a deadly drug. Oh, yeah, it was. I covered that extensively, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the numbers on remdesivir. Uh, and yet, as you say, that was the favorite drug, the preferred drug of Dr. Fauci and the CDC and virtually every uh, health clinic in this country that was treating COVID patients. And it was leading to, I think many people believe, uh, some of the staggering numbers of deaths that we saw that were then called COVID deaths and not necessarily the re- responsibility of the drug that, w- that was chosen there. So my question to you is, as it pertains to your book or uh, your film, and the book by Kennedy, the real Anthony Fauci, is why was he so dialed in on only remdesivir and turning away those other drugs that were, uh, you know, that were proving to be more effective? In other words, how much money was he being paid by the manufacturers of remdesivir? One of the things that Bobby did scrupulously is avoid answering the question why Fauci did what he did. We really can't point. Instead, we just show the facts of what he did. I can tell you, I don't know why he did what he did. Was it power? Was it money? Uh, He certainly got both, but I don't know his motivations, but I can tell you that if they had enlisted ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine as effective treatments for COVID, which the CDC has now added ivermectin to the approved treatment for COVID, if they'd done it then, they would not have been able to get the emergency use order on the vaccine. And this was set up from the beginning to deliver a vaccine, which normally takes 10 years. We did it in 10 months without cutting any corners. An amazing miracle. And now we're seeing the results of it. We're talking to Jeff Hayes, who is a filmmaker, who is uh, who has got a film out uh, based on Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book. It is called The Real Anthony Fauci, the movie. Um, 
Anthony Fauci is responding to some of the criticism, including from uh, the new Twitter CEO, Elon Musk, who has called on him to be prosecuted. And this after reviewing and releasing uh, through truly transparent uh, methods, uh, what he calls the Fauci files. Musk has called him to uh, called on him to be pros- called for him to be prosecuted, and uh, Anthony Fauci is responding, basically saying, "I have no idea what he's talking about. I'm clueless what he's referring to." Uh, I've uh, quote. Um, He's talking about the Fauci files were supposed to come out last week. We're now at the end of this week. I don't understand what he's doing, and I don't think I should be addressing it because it's a bit puzzling to me. He's playing dumb. Um, Do you think that there would ever be a time when prosecution, criminal prosecution, would be in order? Based on what you've researched, what Bobby Kennedy uh, researched in the junior uh, in his book. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's inevitable, and I think it's coming. Now, Musk announced that he won't be releasing the Fauci files until uh, early February, that a key researcher is not available until the first part of February. Uh, but we'll see that. But beyond that, the, the dilemma is if he was indicted by the federal government, the Justice Department, because he was a, a federal employee, is actually the one that would have the responsibility of defending it. And so they're conflicted. However, we have state attorney generals that are picking up this mantle. You've got cases, uh, civil cases coming you know, from Louisiana and other states. I talked to one state attorney general. I was needing some help where they were taking down our, our site was being attacked, and we had people you know, trying to stop the film from being shown for free. I talked to a state attorney general and ask for help, and he said, I'm conflicted because I may or may not have three investigations on Fauci going in my office right now. (laughs) This is coming out. Yes. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's good that it comes out. Of course, I, I think a lot of us wished it would have come out a little earlier so that perhaps some of the things that he did, some of the decisions he made, some of the opinions that he offered that were taken as gospel by people like Joe Biden and the CDC uh, could have been could have been headed off. So now it's kind of all after the fact, I guess. Um, from your research, and again from uh, RFK Jr.'s research, um, were, were you able or was he able to find evidence and proof of the gain of function that he funded in Wuhan to, to truly get to the origin of this whole thing? Absolutely. And we cover a lot of that in the film. But the reality is Bobby has just completed, he's had his head down for six months. He's just completed a book that it should be published in the next 60 days on the origins of the of the virus and it is such a clear and uh, you can follow the money the reason Fauci was so well paid is because he had two jobs you take his 1.7 billion dollar NIH budget but they added to that a 2.2 billion dollar budget from the Department of Defense that he was in charge of so he had two bosses you know the NIH but also the Department of Defense and he's been working for them diligently and funneling money straight to the EcoHealth Alliance, where it went directly to the Wuhan labs, in addition to 40 other labs in the Ukraine and in Georgia. Jeff Hayes is my guest. Jeff is a filmmaker who has made the real Anthony Fauci. Some of his other works you may have heard of include Quack, 
doctored on native soil in Fahrenheit 9-11. Jeff, you, you talked at the beginning of our conversation about what uh, what Bobby Kennedy Jr. faced. You, like you said, he was a hero of the left for a variety of reasons, but when it comes to this, where he opposed the vaccines, and in this case, the non-vaccines, but the profit jabs created by um, uh, Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca, the mRNA jabs, uh, you know, he was, he's been more than ostracized. He is persona non grata. What about you? What about you for making a film out of his book? You face some backlash and some, some cancellation efforts as well, haven't you? Yeah, this is, I, I jokingly, once I decided to do this, and I literally spent a month going back and forth deciding if I would, had the courage to step into this battle. Uh, once I decided to do it, I jokingly call this my career ending film. But the reality is I'm not Steven Spielberg. You know, it wasn't wasn't that huge of a career, but I like what I do and would like to keep doing it. I had a film in the Toronto Film Festival uh, last year that I produced for Amy Redford. It was a scripted film. I think that's probably the last film festival I'll ever be able to get a film into. Once we put this film up, the attacks on our site, we were blacklisted. Our site was blacklisted on eight different services before we even released the film. Like they can't be objecting to the film because they hadn't, I hadn't even finished it before they were blacklisting us. And then we had all the denial of service attacks. And then we had some very clever attacks that actually took the film down for a couple of hours one uh, Sunday morning until we could put it in a different location. So where can people watch this film now? If uh, all of the streamers, you know, rejected you, you're canceled and your Facebook page and everything else was, you know, was shut down on you, uh, how do you distribute it? Where do people see it? So we put it on Rumble. People can, the easiest way is just to type in FauciRevealed.com, and that'll take them directly to the Rumble site. And then we also have it on our site, TheRealAnthonyFauciMovie.com. But what I'm asking people is every time when they watch this, every time they get triggered, every time they get mad, please share it with someone else. This shows like yours and people sharing it is the only way this film has has a chance of getting out there. Millions of people have seen it. It's up for free until the end of January. We need people to watch it and share it. Well, Jeff Hayes, I'm going to do everything I can to try to push this as well. I do want people to see it. I have not seen it, for full disclosure. I have not seen it yet. I've read enough about it, and I read a couple of articles about it, enough to want to interview you and talk a little bit about it. And I've also seen enough, from my vantage point, of this kind of crap. The CDC regularly called the shots on Facebook's COVID-19 censorship decisions. This article from Daily Caller is literally from uh, last week. And it talks about how throughout 2021, Facebook's decisions on what they would allow to be shared and what not what they would not allow to be shared about COVID or about the the shots, uh, those decisions were made by the CDC. So when you were canceled, it sounds to me like Jeff, it wasn't by Mark Zuckerberg; it was by Rochelle Walensky. Across the board, even like on one of my editors sent me some edited footage on his private YouTube channel for us to review. And on a password-protected, non-public-facing YouTube, and YouTube took down that content. I did a a, a podcast last week uh, with someone discussing this, and they sent me a link, said, hey, you know, your podcast is up, take a look at it. We clicked on the link, and, of course, it's been taken down. 
I can't I can't buy ads on Facebook. I have another series called Christ Revealed. I used to spend a hundred thousand a month on Facebook. I can't even buy an ad for my Christian docu series. Uh, I'm completely barred from Vimeo, Facebook, YouTube. Um, we had to build our own platform to get this out there. Wow, that's astounding! It really is. Given given the gravity of the situation, even even if you disagree with you, even if somebody disagrees with you and your premise here and your view of Anthony Fauci and the way things were done, let people see it and make up their own minds. And that is the last thing in the world that they want is for people to actually be able to have their own minds and make up their own decisions about what they believe. They want propaganda to fill the uh, uh, the airwaves and the uh, social media prof- uh, platforms. Uh, they don't want any contradictory points of view which is why i wanted to bring you on the real anthony fauci the movie available on rumble now and what's the website you said you have your own site so fauci reveal.com will take you to rumble or the real anthony fauci movie.com there it is jeff hayes is the filmmaker jeff thanks so much for coming on i appreciate it best of luck with the film and getting the word out there thank you so much thank you it's 11 28 we'll be back Holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob France and the answer. Okay, it's 11.38. Short segment here to wrap it up on AM 1420, The Answer. Trending right now on uh, Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at France Rants. F-R-A-N-T-Z, R-A-N-T-Z is thanks, Pfizer. And it's terrific. Because what it's showing is, well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of trolls, but what it's showing is a whole lot of the drops, a whole lot of the drops. Talking about people who dropped dead or dropped in cardiac arrest, under cardiac arrest. Some hearts stopped, some very close, uh, some uh, stroked out. Um, The number of events is simply staggering. And I'm going to continue to hold Pfizer accountable, at least in the court of public opinion. I don't know exactly what the numbers sh- uh, mean, but I do know what they show. And I gave them to you before. I don't want to give them to you again, but maybe I will anyway. The number of athletes who died suddenly between this is young, healthy, amateur, and professional athletes <clears throat> that collapsed due to cardiac events in 2021 and 2022, the two full years is 1,650 collapsed, 1,148 of those were fatal. And if you want to know the context there, that number took about 30 years to achieve prior to that. Just over 1,000 fatalities of young amateur and professional athletes uh, in 30 years they had 1,000. They had 30 years. In 30 years they had 1,000. So I don't know what that means. All I do know is that the one difference between those 30 years and these two years of 2021 and 22 is that in 2021 and 2022, people were taking the jabs. People were taking the poison darts. Many of them forced to do so without any informed consent. You know what informed consent is, right? You have a right to be informed about what is in any drug that you take from a doctor or somebody that somebody is, or a drug that somebody is selling, you have a right to know what the side effects might be, and you cannot, you or they cannot just tell you, eh, 
Don't worry about it. It's safe and effective. We've proven that it's safe and effective in our trials. Well, but what about your long-term trials, Sinaloa cartel? I mean Pfizer. What about your long-term trials? Well, those are safe, too. Well, how do you know? Well, because they're safe and effective. Yeah, but how do you know what the long-term effects are going to be if a long term of time hasn't gone by since this was pushed out there? Just trust us. It's safe and effective. And I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. It's very, very difficult for all of us to have to uh, acknowledge here. This isn't just the Biden administration. President Trump continues to just baffle people, myself included, with public statements in which he completely dismisses the safety aspect of the drugs that came out under, quote-unquote, Operation Warp Speed, these mRNA vaccines. He's still so proud of getting this out in such a record, you know, short period of time that he is completely oblivious to or ignoring the, the record numbers of events, adverse events that are that are resulting from it, the sudden deaths, the sudden drops, and the sudden cardiac events, the strokes, the palsies, the paralysis. He's just completely, uh, you know, Ignorant of it, or just is, is ignoring it, literally is, is ignoring it, and still expressing support for and pushing the vaccine. It's something I'll never understand. Other than to say President Trump is proud of what he did when he got Operation Warp Speed done, so therefore he has to say they're good. They're good. The vaccines are good. They're, they're safe. They're effective. Just like Biden says, they're safe and effective. I don't believe in the man, and he was clear. President Trump said, I don't believe in mandating it, making it, you know, required. But he said, these work. He's very proud of that. And I think ego, pride, a little bit of narcissism all mixed in there is making him say things that I think he's going to have a hard time explaining now that we're in 2023 and we're in you know the beginning of the election cycle. He's going to have a hard time explaining to millions and millions of Trump voters and supporters um, why it is he continues to push something that is so dangerous and that is potentially so lethal. Doctors in the UK are pushing for the government to investigate the mRNA vaccines and the companies that made them. What about doctors here in the United States? We know they're pushing. We know Dr. Malone. We know Dr. Atlas. We know Dr. Bhattacharya. We know Dr. McCullough. We know all of these doctors are pushing for um, the federal government here to investigate this as well. What did Pfizer know? When did they know it about the impact, about the uh, uh, effectiveness, about the safety of these drugs? What did we know or they know and when did they know it? Accountability must happen if we are ever to stop this from happening again. And you know there's going to be another uh, event. You know, this is if you think this is going to be the last you know, national epidemic, if not worldwide pandemic, then you're not paying attention. And whenever you give them the response or the uh, ability to respond to quote unquote health emergencies in the way they are here with no proof of effectiveness or safety, you are asking for round two and you're asking for more death. This is dangerous. It's very dangerous. And President Trump right now is making a lot of people scratch their heads because he is not coming out against these and saying, you know what, this is probably not a good thing right now, at least until more tests can be done, especially in the long term. But that's where we sit. 
So my thanks to Jeff Hayes on the real Anthony Fauci movie. You should check that out. My thanks also to uh, Darren Beatty and to Congressman Jim Jordan. Thanks to my team, and thanks to you for listening. Hey, I've got a lot more information to present you to. John Solomon's going to be joining me, and possibly the sage Larry Elder as well when I host Dr. Gorka's show this afternoon. So I'll talk to you at 3 o'clock this afternoon, and then again tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.